Six deaths have been confirmed. The threat level at the volcano had been raised three weeks ago, but visitor tours were continuing. It's now just two days until the UK goes to the polls in a winter general election. Since the weekend, campaigning's been dominated by talk of the NHS following the publication of a picture of a sick boy sleeping on the floor of a hospital. Boris Johnson's making a further appeal to Brexit voters in traditional Labour heartlands, meanwhile. Lucy Hoff reports. The final week of the election campaign has been dominated by a row about overcrowding in hospitals after the publication of a photograph of a four-year-old boy sleeping on the floor of a hospital in Leeds. The Labour Party are keen to keep up pressure on the issue, with party leader Jeremy Corbyn appearing on TV this morning, describing the picture as awful and calling it an issue of the crisis in NHS funding. He denied using the photo as a political football. After a difficult day on the campaign trail yesterday, Boris Johnson is keen keen to return to his party's key Brexit message. He's visiting Staffordshire in the north of England, an area which voted strongly to leave the EU, appealing to an end to what he describes as the Brexit limbo. The Russian and Ukrainian presidents have agreed to exchange all remaining prisoners at their first ever meeting in Paris. The leaders also renewed their commitment to extending a ceasefire in eastern Ukraine, as Julia Chapman reports. The first meeting between Vladimir Putin and Volodymyr Zelensky was heavy with the weight of expectation. And although some steps were taken to resolve the conflict in eastern Ukraine, major questions were left unanswered. More than 13,000 people have been killed in the war in the region since 2014 between Ukrainian forces and Russian-backed separatists. The presidents agreed to start working towards elections in the Donbass region, but the crucial issue of who controls the border was not resolved. The price of onions, a staple ingredient in Indian kitchens, has increased to just over $2 per kilogram. Under three weeks ago, they were retailing at under 30 cents. Prolonged rainfalls damaged the crop this year, leading to a severe shortage of onions amid concerns about further food inflation. Sriyoshi Mukherjee reports. In the eastern state of West Bengal, onions worth $700 were stolen, but the cash box remained untouched. In two other Indian states, onions worth $750 were stolen. The surging prices of onions have also led to innovative marketing strategies. A shop in the southern state of Tamil Nadu has been offering 1 kg of onions free with every smartphone purchase. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Oh my, some people are really happy with the new look of StacyOnTheRight.com. And you guys, you helped make that happen, first of all. And second of all, um, yeah, I like it too. I think that the people over at Precision Creations are dynamic, talented individuals. And I'm so excited with what's there. And I'm also excited about what we're going to be doing more postings over there, more information. So we can be one of your daily visit sites. Besides to watch the live stream, you can share some stories from over there because we'll be putting more of them up. So um, thank you to the people who've actually checked it out. If you have not checked it out, it's StacyOnTheRight.com. Click over, check it out, leave a comment on one of the posts, and... Uh, we, we love hearing from you. You can always email me. I'm right at gmail.com. That's how you can reach me. Um, and you can always let me know what you think about the site. You can send story tips there too. And we will have some l little tweaks and things like that as we use the site and kind of get used to it. Of course, we'll do a little bit of tweaking, but what you see there is pretty much the new thing. It's the new stacyontheright.com. So I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that so far people like it. Um, you might remember, like for those who have been around since, you know, the show was a puppy, um, you'll remember that earlier this year, I was really frustrated because I was working with someone and they were just, I was not their priority. 
I think they had bigger clients that they were working with. And so they just never got around to working on my site. And I was so frustrated about it. I did a show called um, what, what to do when, you know, everyone is saying no, because it felt like they were saying no to me. Well, I think it was providential, actually, that God had that not work out. And, and you know, in, in the big scheme of things, God is in control of everything. He orders our steps. So that design did not work out because it was not the one I was meant to have. This new design is so, it's responsive. It's totally like my speed. You'll even notice the logo has been given a little refresh. It's not way far away from what it was. Like it's not like it's a total overhaul, but if you look, it's just, everything is just freshened up, but in a very, very savvy 2020 type of a way. And that's what we need going into next year because a lot of people are going to be landing on that page for the first time and I want them to love it. So check it out. If you have suggestions or things you'd like to see, I know one of the things is that people are hoping to get the, um, let's see, they want the chat room on the live stream up next to it, kind of like it is on YouTube. That is still something we're working on getting. Um, so bear with us and also offer up some prayers, pray, pray with us that we can get the stuff done that we want to get done. It's not that it can't be done. It's who knows how to do it and how much does it cost or who has the skill set to, you know, make it happen within the group of people that we're working with, which they're excellent, fantastic people who've done some of the very best sites. And I'm so excited to be joining their, uh, their group for the website. So, um, thank you for checking it out. And if you are wondering what's going on, we still have the same situation over on Facebook. So the place to watch the show is at stacyontheright.com. Um, uh, and I'm putting that here, you guys. So I had meetings this morning and um, it was very productive. And part of it is what we're going to discuss today here on the program the first thing I want to say is, um, oh my gosh, Tracy says he's got the chat room side by side. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The larger video size. Yeah. So yes. Um, Richard Layton is a artistic graphic designer. He says he approves the site too. So today on the show, we are going to discuss, well, first of all, we'll talk impeachment a little bit. If you've noticed, I've stayed away from it. And the reason is because I don't think that we should allow the Democrats to set the tone for everything that we discuss, whether it's here on this show or in your personal life. It shouldn't be that because they want to undo the result of the 2016 election, they should be allowed to dictate what we're going to discuss on the show every single day. Now, if something huge happens, like yesterday they released a report, um, that, my friends, my, my good friends, my, my lovelies, my pretties, as the, the little lady, the cartoon lady used to say, my pretties, that is something that we'll discuss. We'll discuss what that was. We'll discuss the obfuscation that's going on. Um, that could be our dictionary word of the day, obfuscation that's going on surrounding what the report really says. The Democrats have taken a new tack, which is they don't care what a piece of paper says, like the transcript of the call between the president and the president of the Ukraine, Zelensky. They don't care what it said. They don't say they don't they don't care what the president actually said to him or what he said to President Trump. They care what they want it to say because they're now admitting, all of them are now saying openly, we just have to stop him from being reelected. We just can't let him be reelected, y'all. He just can't be reelected. You know what I say to that? Keep praying, my friends. Keep praying. We've got to be, um, we've got to be ready because what will it be if the president gets reelected? This is how I'm going to feel. Oh, this is just too good. <laughs> That's from The Incredibles. And I really, really want that to be my situation in November. Not just mine, yours, mine, everybody. I want the situation to be that we're just feeling awesome. Not just um, where we have like, uh, you know, where we're applauding and we're jumping up and down with glee. I mean, where we're seriously just, we're just happy to have another four years where the president can right some of the wrongs. Now, that being said, we know that there are uh, individuals out there who are, you know, God-fearing, who want to see a different president. And I understand that. I didn't want to see President Obama. But anyone can thrive under any president as long as your main source is God the Father and you plug into him like it's your main business. 
So not your side piece, not your, let me do a little, you know, a little bit of, of Christianity. No, live with that Christian worldview, soak it in, revel in it, and then start to understand how and why one is more important than the other. So let's, let's first launch off into the microaggressions because that is something that was recently a discussion. Um, and I was sitting and listening to some people talking about microaggressions. And so let's, let's first lay the groundwork, which we have to do now. We never had to do this 10 years ago or five years ago, but now we have to say like a disclaimer before we ever start telling the truth, which is I have had the experience of, you know, I looked up what microaggressions are. I have had microaggressions leveled at me. I don't even know how you're supposed to say how it happens to you, but it's when people are doing things, it's little slights or insults and they're delivered to you. And usually it's in a work setting, but it can happen. Okay. So I've, I've experienced it. And I, I put that disclaimer out there because a lot of times a liberal will stumble on the show or someone who watches and listens to the show regularly will say, yeah, well, that's because you're a Republican. So you, you never experience racism or you don't experience microaggressions or you just don't notice that kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you, anybody who's been watching this show for any amount of time and you guys have heard me talk about the hate mail or the whole situation with the anti-vaxxers or any of that stuff or any of the situations I've shared a few times about things that have happened with friends or family members, y'all know I'm not that person who doesn't notice stuff. If I've been slighted, oh, I'm, I, I have the spirit of, or I should say I have had the spirit of offense where I can just get offended, y'all. I'm not any better than any other person you know. I might even be a little extra like these hats I keep wearing every day. Uh, I might be extra in the area of I noticed that you said or you did or you didn't do for me, but you did for that one. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, the Lord is working on me. Sanctification from glory to glory. Yes, yes, yes. I need it over here. I'm the, I'm first in line for getting some of that patience, long suffering and the ability to work with someone who is unpleasant or who isn't, you know, my cup of tea, if you will, and being able to do that, not through myself. I don't have any strength or power in that area. I only am able to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I found is that the more I chase after God, the more I say, you know what, because let's face it, do we always feel like reading scripture? Probably not. But if I say to myself, yeah, at this moment where I don't feel like it, I'm going to go ahead and read some it's that much more ability to deal with these type of situations that I'll find later on. And it's not five minutes after I read the word. It's more like the next day or a couple of days later or a few hours later where I encounter that situation where I just want to grab a plate and break it because I'm like, well, this I'm mad now. Now I'm angry. And the face, and you, there's no way you're missing it if I'm mad. I'm six feet, two inches tall, and I wear my feelings on my face. So if you encounter me and I'm angry, you will feel that radiating off of me. It's awful. It's, it's really, that's why I've been praying about it, because I don't want to be that person. So I can't do it on my own. There's no life coach or fix-it person that can help me with it. And don't get it twisted. I don't think life coaches are bad. In fact, if you, and I shouldn't say life coaches, if you have a business coach. So if you're getting coached in a specific area of how to improve in a work area, I don't think that's bad. Um, I have to delineate between that and like the life coaches. You, you have a life coach already. It's Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is actually the life coach part of that. Jesus is your savior. The Holy Spirit, he's your, like your life coach, if you will. And then God, the father is your refuge, protector, El Shaddai, you know, Alpha and Omega, everything, everything. He's everything. So that being said, so you can get expert advice from someone, wise counsel. The Bible tells us to take wise counsel that uh, that benefits are had in the taking of wise counsel or meeting and convening a group of wise counselors. So that being said, I've now disavowed the fact that I've never been microaggressed. I have. I've experienced it. I know what it feels like. Well, what about mental toughness? So first of all, let's go back to the, the, the root of all of this. Why do we as human beings find it so difficult to get along with each other? Now, First basic tenet that we know is that we're all sin filled and our sin nature dictates that we rebel against everything, even people that we love, even situations that we love. That is our rebellious, sinful sin nature that is in us that we have to tame through sanctification after we've accepted Jesus Christ. Okay, so that being said, now, where does it all start, though? Because we used to be actually really unified as people. Well, it started back at the Tower of Babel. You know, Old Testament, 
The people got together. They were going to build a tower up to heaven. And God was like, uh-uh, we can't have this. And so he broke all of the people groups off into different ethnicities and gave them different languages to speak. And so the first time we see everyone back in complete unity after that event is when we see them at Pentecost and they're in that room, they're in the upper room and the tongues of fire come down and they all begin to speak in tongues. And as they're speaking, every person in the room can understand every other person. So the barriers of the language barriers that existed in between them, because that's a perfect picture of us in, in the body of Christ, many different ethnic backgrounds, many different languages, tongues, many different kinds of people all together in unison seeking the, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is the perfect picture of us as the body of Christ. So the idea that we're the body of Christ is all white or all black or whatever, that's not biblical. But you can see where God said, I'm going to divide them. I'm going to scatter them. I'm going to send them across the face of the earth. But then when it came to Pentecost, where we were receiving the Holy Spirit, the first time we're all unified again is in Christ. So put a pin in that because that's where we're going with this. So let's let's keep talking now that we've gotten that out of the way about how we have all of these different systems that are meant to unify us. Now, we all know that in work situations, the thing that unifies you to work with other people that you wouldn't normally work with is that you are being paid. So the unity is purchased, right? Um, in other areas, like let's say you're working in a group of people and you're you know, working on, let's say, something for your kid's school or something for a volunteer organization, or um, you're working with a group of people that you're, you're assisting, maybe an organization that helps with kids, you know, reading to kids after school. Your goal is to accomplish that mission. You signed up to do it, so you work with the people there. But you can work towards a mission with a group of people. And I, I've seen this on active duty in the military, people who just genuinely despise each other. But when they have their uniform on, they, you know, basically it's like the cone of silence. They only you speak to each other if they need to and they get the job done and they just gut it out until their next assignment. And then they, you know, PCS and they're out of there and they go to their next place where they promptly find that that same person is there just in somebody else's body. It's like a, a different skin suit, but same attitude, same problem because you're meant to learn how to work with that person and to love them. And I don't mean love them like marry or date. I mean, love them with the love of Christ, meaning you just treat them with respect and genuine kindness, even though they're not your cup of tea that, but you can only do it through Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? So you can have unity. Look at football teams that win. They have unity and they have kind of an extra level of it. You know how many people, Tony Dungy is one of them, they've written these books about their experiences as football players, football coaches, what have you. And they always talk about, the ones who are Christians always talk about how as the team was more in unison and saying, you know what, we're doing this for God. We're doing this as a team. We're doing this to, to grow and edify not just the NFL or our specific owner, but to glorify God on that field that they would win Super Bowls and they would be unstoppable. That's because in Christ we find unity. So right now, as it stands in 2019, heading into 2020, there is no unity in starting up a diversity committee, let's say, or unity in saying, let's a group of moms of us get together and we're going to stamp out racism in our school or we're going to stamp out this or that. The only way that you can get the kind of unity that leaves a lasting impact is if it comes through Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a Christian and what I'm saying to you right now is, you know, you're, you're feeling, you you know how it is. Someone's talking, you hear what they're saying and you start to get hot. Either your neck gets hot or your arms get hot. Maybe your face gets hot. You do not agree. Well, my question for you is if you don't agree, where is your quantifiable evidence that people can be completely in unison, treating each other with love and kindness and respect that people can deal with other people because you know my favorite slogan is people are going to people people are going to make mistakes they're going to disappoint just like i'm going to make mistakes and disappoint everyone does that so in order to be able to deal with the mistakes and disappointment of others and live with the consequences of their sin you have to have jesus christ because you can't do it on your own you may be able to do it for a little while you may be able to fake it 
until you're broke and you can't keep doing it anymore. But if you want to be able to do it genuinely over the course of many, many years, which leads to a productive relationship that yields results that you can actually point to and say, we did that. This was accomplished because of God gets the glory because look what he did through me and her. She and I, nothing alike. She and I actually used to hate each other, but now we do things together because this is the thing that we've been given to do and we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. Now, if you've seen people acting in true unison outside of the body of Christ with people being able to put up with the strife and angst and anger and all of the different emotions and activities that come along with human interaction outside of Christ, please let me know because that's a system that we need to be implementing everywhere. Am I right? Am I right? Come on. We don't have unity in households where two people who love each other, who literally die for each other, husbands and wives, but they don't have unity. But then they take themselves to the altar and turn all their sin in for Jesus Christ and come back out of there. And all of a sudden you have marriages that last 60, 70, 80 years, fruitful marriages with kids who then go on to grow up and be fruitful and, and impactful and get married themselves and, and do the same thing. I mean, in a culture like ours, where the divorce rate is like 47% or so, these kinds of principles are not just bedrock, they're critical. It is a critical issue for us as Christians to not just know and understand that unity comes through Christ, but for us to actually tell other people about it, for us to go forward and say, you know what, I got you, I got, you got to know this. Um, we want to accomplish big things here. And in order for us to do it, we're going to have to get on the same page, meaning I have to forgive you when you wrong me, even when you forget to ask me. I have to go forward knowing that you're probably going to say stuff that's going to offend me. And I'm going to have to just, you know, let it roll off my back. I'm going to have to know that we're working together. We're both Christians, but we may not be the same politically. And so you're probably going to put a sticker on your laptop or your or, or your car. And I'm going to be like, what? You're voting for who? And, and you're going to feel the same way about my, my sticker. But we're still going to come into this building and work together. And we are only able to do that because the Holy Spirit will enable us to just basically look at that sticker and keep rolling. And that's the kind of mental toughness that's often discussed in these motivational videos you'll see uh, online on YouTube and places like that. They'll talk about mental toughness and they'll always quote, they'll have a general talking over some really inspirational uh, music, a retired four-star general or brigadier general to have a Marine Corps combat veteran who's lost limbs talking about how they, you know, can't overcame a bunch of stuff. And that's true. You can overcome. But we're talking about the sustained impact of unity being that you can achieve supernatural results in spite of any obstacle or thing that's put in front of you. The other thing about the microaggressions that I really have to put out there for us to start chewing on and thinking about is in every situation where we have children and courageous conversations and uh, microaggressions and all of these liberal buzzwords that are a part of the diversity umbrella that is a failed concept. It has not brought people together. It has divided more people and organizations than it's brought together. All diversity initiatives do is teach people to suspect each other and hate each other, to teach people that this group of people are untouchable because they're victims, so I can't even give them a bad performance review. This group of people, if I even say, wow, you look nice today, or did you get a haircut? That's sexual harassment, so I can't talk to them. And by the way, this group of people that I'm in, the white men, they're responsible for every wrong ever known to man. They can do no right. Meanwhile, they're still you know, overachieving, still heading up the company, still hiring everybody else, right? So if diversity worked, then why don't we have less sexual harassment, less um, EEOC complaints, fewer incidences of people leaving companies and then going out and hiring an attorney and doing class action lawsuits like the one that went up against CNN, which I believe they settled because we heard nothing about the resolution, did we? Remember? Uh, what was it? How many? 30, 25 or 30 employees from CNN sued in a class action lawsuit to say that CNN was a hostile workplace and it was racial so if a place that always talks about racism and constantly puts forward diversity initiatives it, like CNN is a hostile work environment, then it sounds to me like diversity doesn't work. Diversity training, diversity hiring, diversity initiatives, none of it works. So if 
as Christians, we can't not just settle up because I think that's one of the things that we have to go ahead and just accept that we're not doing. We aren't reading our Bibles. We don't know what the Bible says about diversity. Does it talk about diversity or does it talk about unity? And when it talks about unity, where does it come from? Well, it comes through Christ. But do we know that? Do we know the scriptures for that? Do we know where that's found? And more than that, have we taken the time to kind of pony up on some reading and maybe maybe delve into, Lord, how do I get this same spirit of unity? The spirit of unity that we saw at Pentecost where people understood each other supernaturally because you indwelt the Holy Spirit in them and made it so. How do we get that in today's workplace? Are, are, are we under the impression that we can only have that kind of unity in Pentecost in that specific part of the New Testament and then everything else now, from then to now, we just kind of have to bumble along? Or do we serve a God who says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are capable. You are equipped. You are able. Let me work through you. Let's get this done. You want unity in your workplace? You want to supercharge sales or you want to see more of your coworkers come to Christ and be effective at their jobs and make profits for the for the place where you work? Be able to spend more, um, you know, the, the day a month or week a year that they give to employees to do, you know, philanthropic stuff that people would be supercharged about doing that because their their workplace is an energetic, dynamic, productive uh, team space that they love to be engaged in and they enjoy being at work and they're, you know, kind of up in the morning, like revved and ready to go in there and do their job because they know that is something that they get a lot of uh, pleasure and also the, the satisfaction that comes from it. Well, you're, you're only getting that at the power source. It's like we're walking around with our little plug, you know, as um, I'm looking for my little plug here. It's like we're walking around with our little plug as Christians. And the Bible has told us that the power source for us is God the Father. But we're like this. We've got our little plug and we're like, okay, so I need some power. Let me see if I can plug. Nope, that doesn't fit. Hmm, that doesn't fit. Got plug in my laptop. Plug it in myself. That doesn't work. Plugging it into this mixer right here. Look, I've got a tissue box. Let me see if this will fit here. I mean, I could poke a hole in this and stab this into it, but I'm not going to get any power. The only way I'm getting some power for this little end here, this lightning end is going to go in this phone. And the only way I'm going to get electrical current going into it is if I plug this into a power source that is the same voltage. And so as Christians, our same voltage match for power source is God the Father and righteous living. So it's not perfection. It's not that I'm sitting here telling you this because I've got it all together. Oh, no, it's, it's quite the opposite. As I'm learning and growing, I'm sharing with you. But if we can't get this right for ourselves, how do we tell a waiting world? Well, you know, the question always is, well, why are you why are you a Christian? <laughs> you know, why are you why don't you care um, if there's racism? And it's not that I don't care that there's racism. I don't want there to be racism, just like I don't want there to be murder or uh, anything else. But the fact is, sin exists and people are going to make mistakes and sin. The question is, are we, so you're going to hold a grudge? You're going to let that hook go into your cheek and keep it there for the rest of your life because someone made a racist comment or an insensitive comment and you're going to let that ruin the relationship, the opportunity that you have to learn from that person and grow and maybe accomplish something together. That's, that's how we're living. We have so much that God wants to do through us. He, he wants to use us, hands and feet of Christ, to do so many different things. And we can't do that stuff if we're too busy being mad because, well, that was a microaggression. So over in the chat room, Smoke um, has just shared James 1.19 says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That is a great one to meditate on. And that's the other thing. We have to be willing to do the work. So let's say you're just, you know, you're listening to this. You're like, man, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. This, this resonates. I want to have some unity. I want to have some unity in Christ. Yes, let's, let's get that. Let's get the unity in Christ. Well, you know what's funny to me? Then there's something that has to happen within us. But the Bible says we are to dress, address the log in our own eye, the beam in our own eye before we try to pluck 
the mite out of someone else's eye. They have like a little piece of wood chip near their eye and we're trying to help them get it out. We're hitting them in the face with a big branch that we got sticking out of our own eye. We're to address ourselves. So if this is something that you're having a problem with, namely people doing or saying stuff and it feels like, quote unquote, a microaggression or, you know, taking offense, then you can meditate on certain scriptures and those scriptures will change you on the inside. And you you have to start off with saying, hey, you know what, God, I'm overly sensitive. I'm easily offended. This may or may not be a prayer that I've prayed before. <laughs> so, Lord, please. I can't be this sensitive. I can't keep holding grudges against people. I need to let this stuff go. Change me. And he will do it. You mean it? He'll do it. And you'll be able to put up with people. You won't just be putting up with them either. He'll make it so that you can enjoy that annoying person. And I know you're thinking to yourself, impossible. Stacy, you don't know this person. Yes, I do. I have had these people in my life. I still have them in my life. And God is one by one making it so that I can enjoy them. And, and this, this doesn't happen. It's a miracle if you ask me. Because I am one of those people where if I don't, if I don't enjoy you, I will just structure myself so that I do not have to experience you. Because, you know, I have the, it's a luxury that you can... <laughs> kind of do if you if you work from home you can kind of say I'm just not going to I'm not plugging into that group because there's too many you know I don't that, that's not my group you, you can do it most of us do it we're adults that's a part of being an adult is being able to structure your life a lot of people will um, they'll leave certain workplaces and go to someplace else who, you know they, they do things to get away from those people and it doesn't mean that you're always going to be the one to change sometimes God will change that person but does it matter does it matter if he makes you able to enjoy them or if he changes the person? What matters is you're no longer being tormented by experiencing that person. And this is so important for, and I'm gonna say us as black people because I know a lot of black people watch and listen to the show. This is so important for us because right now, and I, I wasn't able to clip this because I, I had so many meetings today and so I didn't get to do any, uh, cl to any clips. So listen, I was watching, you can watch this yourself. Anthony Blogan on Instagram has a video of somebody on MSNBC, this little black lady, and she's a Democratic strategist, and she's talking to Joy, whatever her last name is, and they're talking about the 2020 race, and she starts to describe how there's these groups out there putting out misinformation to black voters, and she says it's Blacks for Trump, ADOS, which in parentheses said African Descendants of Slaves, I'm not a part of that group, but I, I do put that hashtag on um, the show whenever I broadcast the show because I want people who are interested in that to watch the show and listen to it. Um, and a few other groups. She said, these groups say, if you uh, want to vote correctly, you need to demand something in return for your vote. So don't vote and get nothing in return. And she said, these are all lies because blacks need to vote for Democrats. I kid you not. Go watch the video. It's go to Instagram. His name is Anthony Blogan. I follow him on Instagram. I met him at the uh, Blacks for Trump launch event. He was there. He has a huge following on social media. He's he's fantastic. Yeah, he's in chat Chattaboogie. <laughs> Ch yeah, Chatt Chattanooga. He's amazing. He's 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 the, he's the, the the real business. Um, so he's 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 got this video up there and I watched it and I just typed in the comments. So, so, you know, so black people are the only people in America who we're supposed to vote for people who give us nothing. And we're supposed to keep voting for them in perpetuity until we're in the grave. You know, that is a lie from the pit of hell, but that's what she's saying. So we're so weak and emotionally unstable as black people that the only thing we should care about is whether or not a Democrat has told us that somebody else is a racist. And if the Democrat has told us that that person's a racist, it doesn't matter if that person's holding a, a job offer, a contract. Just picture it in your mind for a second. Let this sit on your brain for just one minute and marinate into you. You have somebody who's made you a job offer. And it's the job offer that you've been waiting for. It's in your career field. The workplace is near where you live. And the offer that they're making you is the pay and benefits that you've been at home on your knees praying for for the past few months. 
then someone you know and respect or someone who's in your circle says, but that person's a racist. And you say, well, what's, what, show me your receipts. What is the racism that this person is guilty of? They're a racist because I know they vote as a Republican. But are you saying that they're racist at work? No, they have to be a racist because they're a Republican. And you say, well, unless you show me some instances where they've been sued by the EEOC or they have some kind of a record of racism at their at their workplace, I'm going to accept this job offer because this is everything I've been looking for. And that person says, Mm-mm, you are not going to take that job. And they basically sit there and browbeat you until you finally just say, you know what, maybe I won't take it. Maybe I'll wait for the next offer. That is really a good a, a, an analogy of what's happening with the black community right now. The job offer that I'm talking about with the pay and benefits, that's exactly what you're looking for, is the Republicans are saying, look, we're, we're for school choice, so get your kid out of that failed building with no air conditioning and get him into a AAA-rated school district or a wonderful um, private school, whether it's Catholic or whether it's um, independently run or a KIPP school, whatever, some kind of charter, something. Get your kid into some other educational option that is not public school that's run by the NEA. The Democrats are like, no, don't do anything for your kid. If you vote for that Republican, you'll be voting for a racist. And you're thinking, what does racism have to do with my kid not getting a good education? I'm paying the taxes, man. I should be getting a good education for my kid. That is what is happening to black America right now. Donald Trump and Republican candidates across the country are offering a slate of policy positions that lead to prosperity. They're not perfect. That some of these candidates have mouths on them where I'm like, whoa, you know, they make these gaffes and you're like, dude, who is there no campaign school for you? What what's what's happening right now? But it's the party platform that you're voting for. And when someone is elected and they make a gaffe, I mean, everybody forgives Joe Biden all of his gaffes. Is it because you like the abortion he's peddling or the the limited economy and limited economic prospects or the weak foreign policy? What about what he's peddling is it that you love? The idea that the post office, the same kind of people who work at the post office and treat you like a piece of crap when you go in there, not all of them, but some of them, those are the same types of people who would be deciding whether or not you could have an ultrasound or a CT or, you know, any, any kind of testing. You Anything beyond, like you need a hip replacement and you're 79 years old? Well, you ain't getting it because... You know, yeah, some government flunky said no. So this is, this is of the utmost importance. They're going to keep peddling the lies. They're going to keep telling you that you have no choice but to vote for people who haven't cared about you in 60 years. They're going to keep saying that. And what you have to say is, not today, Satan, I'm going to at least check out the party platforms. I'm going to at least figure out which of these things is better than the other. And I'm going to go for it because I can. You can do whatever you want. You can vote for whoever you want. You are not your skin tone. Remember, Michael Jackson proved that. He used some like industrial strength skin bleaching cream to bleach out the brown parts of his skin because he had vitiligo. And I totally sympathize with, you know, him having that condition it's so sad that he had to go through that. And then when he bleached his skin to get just an even skin tone, then people made fun of him for that instead of just leaving the man be and letting him do what he's going to do. Well, how did it ever hurt any of us that he was bleaching his skin because he had vitiligo? It's not like he wanted to be lighter because he didn't like his skin color. He only did that because he had vitiligo. Now, I know I'm off on a tangent here, but the point is worry about yourself. If black America can't take this opportunity to say, I'll try this once, then what, what is the point? This is the reason why Democrats don't actually do anything for the black community because they don't have to, because they're too busy doing stuff for all the other constituent groups that will leave them in a drop of a penny because they actually expect to get something for their vote. So, you know, when they say stuff like that, when they tell you who they are and what they really believe about you, don't, don't be sitting over there like, nah, that's not what they believe it. They believe you don't deserve anything for your vote. That's the cray they're working. I, I just, okay. So, and we have talked um, about the forgiveness aspect of things. We've talked about that before on the show. So I'm not going to go hugely into that again. Um, but I will, I will, uh, oh, Mimi is in the chat room. She says, 
it is generational ignorance as a people. She said in her Mother's Day, Negroes voted Democrats because they relied on the sellouts like Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, et cetera, to tell them who to vote for, though they got a return on their votes. The charlatans like Jackson and company got paid by the white Democrats and power to sell out their own people. They did. And then when they were done getting the payments from, you know, Democrats in power, they took it to corporate America and started what we now have is the diversity sham that was started by people like Jackson and Sharpton. They wanted to keep getting those checks and they got them. They still sometimes will go to corporate America and shake them down over some diversity initiative. So, oh, the other thing she said, if you if you don't get a chance to watch that video of Anthony's over at his um, Instagram account, she also said that there is only one Black Lives Matter and that's the only group you should support. Black Lives Matter, a group started by homosexual men and a sham group that has accomplished nothing but div dividing the country that has been utterly silent during the Democratic primary because they don't have a candidate that they like because they now realize that even they have been used by these same people. Political opportunists have used good, kind-hearted individuals who thought that they needed to get together around an issue, which they were deceived on that too. Kaepernick, he, he's, he don't care anything about people being killed. Kaepernick is interested in one thing, getting his job back in the NFL, which he completely and utterly destroyed himself. Destroyed his own work with his own hands. That was a good show I did too, but you know, uh, a couple years ago. Um, so also don't, don't forget to check out there's a story over at Yahoo for the first time, Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, and now Miss Universe are all black women. And the point that I made about sharing that story is that if America is the most racist place on the planet, then how do four separate organizations that are not affiliated with each other choose black women as their most beautiful contestants in a country as racist as America? Somebody asked Don Lemon. That's all I'm going to say on that. All right, so let's turn to the impeachment issue. So I will readily admit that I haven't read every single thing there is to read about it. But what I have read paints a very, very sad picture of an FBI that was completely and utterly um, undone by partisanship. James Comey and his, you know, minions were hell bent on upending the result of the 2016 election. Not only was there no treason but the inspector general's report showed that the FBI actually lied repeatedly to get permission to spy on Donald Trump's campaign. Now, here's something that I said a couple years of three years ago when he was first elected. I said, you know, it'd be funny if we find out that they spied on him and listened to all of his calls, read all of his emails, and they came up with nothing. I said, something tells me that he's squeaky clean when it comes to the business and all that stuff, that the real problem with Donald Trump is the stuff we've already learned, which is that, you know, he can have a bit of a potty mouth sometimes. And if that's the only real problem that we've got with the guy, you know, other than he's a human and he makes mistakes like all the rest of us, then we got a pretty good deal. I mean, don't you think? Don't you think we got a pretty good deal if that's... A so the FBI is listening to all of your phone calls. They're, they've got your emails tapped. They're reading them all. The, the, the sends and the replies. And they came up with nothing? The, the FBI, they came up with nada on President Trump. So dude is squeaky clean. <laughs> I mean, just, 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 just absorb that for a minute. The Democrats are saying he's obstructed Congress, whatever that means. And... I, th I forget what the other one was. Garbage. So James Comey, of course, read the inspector general's report, or maybe he didn't, and he's lying about it. He said it was all lies, no treason, no spying on the campaign, no tapping Trump's wires. It was just good people trying to protect America. Well, that's not true. His wires were tapped, his emails were read, and he was spied upon. So President Trump has already called him out on Twitter, which is appropriate. So here's some quotes from the report. And these are takeaways for us if you're going to be like, you know, bumping into people at different places. And, they're in, you know, what happens is they'll try to make you into a liar by saying, well, you don't know what it said. And then if you give them a quote from it, they'll say, well, that's not all it said. So there's no winning them over. So I, my caution to you is be very careful who you decide to engage on this issue because a lot of people are just down for the argument. They want to argue. Um, their life sucks or they've got problems and it just feels good to argue and vent out some emotions, even if they're not really convinced themselves that they're right. 
So be careful who you decide to engage on this. But if you do, here's a couple quotes for you. The report said, quote, we also found basic fundamental and serious errors during the completion of the FBI's factual accuracy reviews, which are designed to ensure that FISA applications contain a full and accurate presentation of the facts. The report also said we are deeply concerned that so many basic and fundamental errors were made by three separate hand-picked investigative teams on one of the most sensitive FBI investigations after the matter had been briefed to the highest level within the FBI. Now, think about that for just one moment. What is the highest level within the FBI at the time? James Comey. So he was in, he was briefed on all of this. So the Comey-led FBI crossed the line in spying on the political opposition. They were careless and sloppy. They didn't do their due diligence. They knew they could get a FISA warrant for the asking because FISA warrants are rarely turned down. So they took advantage of the system as it was. And even with the rarity of FISA turndowns, a FISA judge turned them down in June of 2016 when they requested the permission to spy on Donald Trump. But they went back. They pieced together a bunch of just lies and then took them back in and got an approval. Spied on him and found nothing. And now, you know, we're finding out about it. So just think about this for a second. In Latin American countries and countries are all around the globe, the norm is that they don't have regular elections. They have overthrow. I'm not talking about the, you know, European nations and westernized countries. I'm talking about the Latin countries and stuff like that. They just, instead of having an election, they'll have a coup, you know, and a bunch of ne'er-do-wells with guns will throw overthrow the government. You got supposedly the sharpest tools in the shed, FBI people trying to undo the results of an election by spying on an American citizen and all they could come up with is this impeachment sham that the Democrats are foisting on us right now. These people, if they were in a Latin American country, wouldn't even be able to cobble together some guns and do a regular proper coup. They couldn't even pull it off. I mean, it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. So then you also have, if you look around, just take the lay of the land. You have CNN's ratings in the tank because of the, their constant coverage of the impeachment. Uh, you have a lot of different organizations are embarrassed by this new Clint Eastwood film that's coming out that shows reporters sleeping with their sources for information. Um, everywhere you look, everybody is just scrambling for the hills, trying to cover up their their own nakedness in this issue. Um, the, the Democrats are embarrassing themselves to the point where they're now swinging voters to Trump's side in, in the swing states. So, look. I said it from the beginning. I'll say it again for anybody who just got here. They're only doing this because they don't want President Trump to be able to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, number one. Number two, they don't want him winning because if he doesn't replace her his first term, he'll replace her and two others his second term. Number three, they don't want him to complete his makeover of the United States judiciary, which is well underway, and thank God for it. Number did I say three, three or four, whichever one I'm on, they don't want to lose 2020, which is a repeat of one of the other ones, but hey, it's for emphasis. So that takes me to this next story over here at Breitbart. Um, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, on Tuesday indicated that the Democrats must impeach President Trump in order quickly in order to stop him from prevailing in the 2020 election. So they feel like if they can impeach him, then they'll be able to run ads and say he's impeached and you can't vote for him. And dunderheads across America will be like, oh, we better vote for the Democrat then. The other reason they don't want President Trump to remain unimpeached is because every minute he's running around effectively being the president, Americans are looking at, well, the Burisma story. There were like six investigations into Burisma and the Bidens going on when Joe Biden made that fateful phone call that he joked around at that that uh, Foreign Relations Committee uh, speaking engagement. He said he he told them, you better drop these investigations or you're not going to get your foreign aid. And if you don't believe me, call Obama. He'll tell you I'm right because they were looking into the Biden family. The Ukrainians were like, 
why are we paying this American family uh, $83,000 a month for the son and another few hundred thousand for the dad? Why are we paying these people for what? What are they doing? Let's start an investigation. So um, Democrats have not indicated when the text of their dilemma Bob would be released, um, but they have the two articles of impeachment. They are for abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Neither of these allegations are a high crime or misdemeanor. Also noticeably absent, the long-held statements that the president engaged in bribery, extortion, or treason. So not only did he not engage in those, they haven't found any proof of those. They're not even in the articles of impeachment. So they think that this is going to fly with the American people. And what I'm telling you as we close out the show here is that you have got to pray that it won't. You got to pray that God will unleash a spirit of revival on America that will cause the scales to fall from Americans' eyes and for them to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that through that process, people would be motivated to vote for the best out of the two candidates, whoever the Democrats nominee is going to be, and that they would be voting on the number one issue for Americans because the blood cries out. And that is abortion, that we need a president who's willing to stop it. We will be held accountable as a nation for the the sins of our hands. And we're all in it because they use our taxpayer dollars to do it. So we that's why we have to have that as our number one voting issue. The other issues are important, but that's the number one. And so. (laughs) Wow, I can't believe how quickly it goes when I'm doing This form of the show, which is no commercial breaks, I've just blown through all the commercial breaks and we're at 52. No PSAs. All right, y'all. You guys are amazing. Thank you for helping to contribute to get that website redesign done. Thank you, Smoke, again for that fantastic tripod. Thank you for being here today. Share the show. We're looking for 100 shares this month. Back with you tomorrow.